Welcome back to this uh, Irish League 2021-22 preview season uh, podcast with me, Dr. Graham Campbell. Now we've had a range of current players who have been on to talk about uh, their side's chances heading into the new season, but it's now time to hear from a manager. And I'm joined by the current manager of Warren Point Town Football Club, Barry Gray. Barry, a warm welcome to the show. How are you doing, Grant? Pleasure to be here. Thanks for, for the invite and always, always good to chat to you. It's great to have you on. I'm really well. I hope you are as well. How did you find management last season? Because during COVID-19, it's been so difficult for everyone. I'm sure it must have been probably your, your hardest year in football, I take it. Yeah, Grant, it was difficult. Um, obviously, nobody had, had anything to, to sort of reflect back on or to compare to. So um, we hope that it was a year in isolation that none of us will have to to look back on ever again bar this one um but listen i always said we were we were one of the very few fortunate um clubs that were able to to com- continue to compete in sport and and to a certain degree we were spiced by that um we 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 do whinge and we do complain about the conditions we had to do it in and 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 all the impacts that it had but however um, we've 12 teams in this country that were very fortunate to, to be able to to continue competing and playing, training, you know, doing everything that we would, you know, very largely normally do. And that was something that uh, maybe, you know, as time went through and the weeks ticked on, we got lost in translation a wee bit. Um, but yeah, it was, it was strange. Um, the whole people aspect of what football is all about for me personally and, and us as a club uh, got lost. You know, we, we were encouraged not to engage with people, encouraged yes. not to engage with, with oppositions, obviously supporters, spectators, you know, but even, you know, you go club to club, you go game to game and, and you see the, the familiar faces around each club that, that you look forward to going and seeing and, and having that bit of banter and that bit of crack with on a weekly basis. And maybe some of them faces and people not there. Um, so the whole the whole personal aspect of it, you know, was very largely removed and it became very show up, go home, show up, go home. Um, yes. and, and, and to be fair, it's, you know, unless you were maybe one or two teams that were very largely competing at the top end of the table, um, you know, what have we got to play for? Probably the biggest motivation was to get through the year, get it finished and and, and hope for maybe something a wee bit more normal in, in weeks and months ahead, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think must what must have been a, a really big frustration for yourself is that some of the players almost had to, to stick into their own personal bubbles, so to speak. So I don't know what the training was like for yourself and your management team. What was it like? Can you give us a bit of an insight? Yeah, I think you know it's where the when the conditions first hit us. Um, obviously, when we we came back to small group training, small bubbles, to slightly bigger non-contact training, um, to uh, into you know stuff that was a wee bit more normal. But what wasn't normal, you you had no change in facilities, you had no 
for us at Moran Point, we've got players from South Dublin and North Belfast and anything in between. So we don't have any local boys that can, you know, just pop back into the car, shoot down the road, have a shower at home. Um, and that was that was hugely, hugely testing for us. Um, even from a player welfare point of view, you know, mm-hmm. physically. Um, like we chatted about earlier, we don't we don't always get the weather that we would like here in this country. So um you can imagine the November, December, January night that you're soaked and froze off the training pitch and, and boys able to just change into another set of clothes, get in the car, maybe travel two hours home. Mm-hmm. Um, that was difficult. And that's, I suppose, for us, who was classed as elite footballers. Um, it wasn't very elite. It wasn't mm-hmm. very professional. Um, and we watched then some of the uh, higher elite players around the world having facilities that they were allowed Yes, to be in, and they were allowed to have that that, uh, that level of professionalism. So, at times it was a wee bit of frustration. Either you know we are elite or we're not. If we're elite, then we need to have um, the surroundings around us that that make us you know you know you know perform at that elite level. So, but again, it's it's crying over spilt milk, isn't it? It's a case where we were very fortunate to get anything in and anything done. Um, and I always revert back to that, no matter what. But it was difficult. People's mindsets were different, diff- different than normal. Um, you know, us as managers and coaches were different. Mm-hmm. You're always conscious of uh, the interaction because one person with symptoms or not having symptoms or close contact could effectively rule you out for five, six players on any given Saturday if they happen to be in the wrong group inside training or you know yes. things like that. So. In, in 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 hindsight, looking back, you know, you try to eliminate as much as that as you can. I don't know whether it had a major impact or not. Personally, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'm I'm not qualified to make them decisions, but uh, we were f- we were quite fortunate that we weren't impacted too much with positive cases or or close contact at that time, um, which was good for us mm-hmm. uh, and good for the players, but. When, when you have the range of players traveling from the range of areas that we have, mm-hmm. um, the risk is always elevated because there's, in, in real terms, there's so many bubbles, you know, yes. outside our bubbles. So um, there's only so much we could control. We've done our best to do it. And listen, the mm-hmm. club bent over backwards to put all the procedures and, and, and things in place that they kept us all as safe as what we could be inside what we were doing, plus the testing and, and things like that. So um, thankfully for us, we, we got through it. And we got through it re- relatively in life terms, yeah. untouched. And uh, we have to be thankful for that. So, Yeah, absolutely. It was a real testament to all 12 clubs that the, the top flight was uh, put through to a finish. It was really well done and, and really well received um, across a range of media outlets. Uh, I thought BBC Sport and I and the streaming services across the league were, were absolutely outstanding. I mean, what was your take-home message from that last season? Because it just gave the Irish League a little bit more of exposure, didn't it? It did, Grant. And I think, you know, if there's one massive lesson to be learned out of it, um, in very testing difficult circumstances look what you can achieve when you've got everybody working in one direction um, and I know that doesn't always happen in football that's part and parcel to the level that we're at um, but but it goes to show you that 
you know, the, the one cause that everybody wanted last year was for football to continue um, and continue with the maximum exposure. You, you look at how on such a quick turnaround, how we could get the coverage that we got, you know, from clubs doing their own streaming to BBC doing their pieces to the Sky doing their pieces um, to, and, and that was all driven around maybe the lack of supporters, but the big the big question now has to be raised. Well, if you can get that exposure last year, why can you not have it this year, next year, yeah. the following year to come? So there's in maybe some sense it's it's give us an opportunity to to reevaluate what what the punter, you know, to cater for a punter that's that's more than than the guys that come through the turnstiles every week. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because I spoke with uh, your now former chairman, Conor McGreevy, on a previous episode of the show and he said exactly the same things. And if you want to go back and listen to my chat with Conor, you can go and listen to that in my archives. I was going to ask you, Barry, what your highlights of last season was, but I don't have to look too far for the answer because Warren Point beating Linfield for the first time in the club's history was an outstanding accomplishment. I mean, I watched the game. I, I guess some ways a little bit bittersweet was the fact that there was unfortunately no fans allowed to come to the game on a really special night for the club. Yeah, Grant, um, I suppose me as manager, I don't maybe take the same sort of pleasure out of um, these one-off, you know, one-off results, one-off games like that. Um, but it's always nice to do something the first time. So for, mm. for us as a club, um, particularly more as a club, it was important as opposed to with me and this team because of all the players in the team, maybe only played Linfield for the first time in that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't so much a big a big overturn for them. Obviously, listen, when you come up against the best teams in the league in Linfield, last season was no doubtedly the best team in the league. Um, to beat them at any time is, is an no, achievement. But... And mm-hmm. it, it's something that I always said, to our players in football, you know, we're nearly taught not to enjoy the good days. Um, you probably have more bad days in football than you do good, and it's fine to to allow yourself to enjoy, you know, results, performances like we did in the Linfield game. And I said to the players afterwards, you know, enjoy this. It is the club's first time. We hope that it won't be the club's last time, but um, it was a big performance. It was a big game for us, and and it's it's fine to enjoy them games and them results. Yeah, absolutely. And he also beat Crusaders away at Seaview in the season as well. I mean, that's another impressive feat to take as well. It is, yes. I suppose Grant last year for us was very heavily a transition year. So um, we we done relatively, we competed relatively well in most of the, of, of the top tier games. Um, mm-hmm. We competed very well in the bottom tier games. Um, and then our Achilles heel probably across the season was the group of fixtures that if you like the teams that sat in around that mid table, whatever mid third, um, mm-hmm. and they were the teams that, for some reason or another, we 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 tended to struggle against result and performance wise against them teams. So, but in the year that was for us, which was a massive transition year with a huge amount of turnover of players in a short space of time, um, it's probably one with the conditions that we look back that we had to play on one that we would we would feel that we'd be relatively uh, pleased with how things panned out in the end. You, you slightly jumped ahead of my next question because I was having a look at the standings from last year. You finished level on points with Porta down in, in, in joint ninth spot. It was just a fraction lower than 10th. 
I mean, you mentioned about some of the highlights there, but you also mentioned about the Achilles heels in there. But one of the things I really wanted to ask is, is that a, a mentality thing from the players that when it comes to the, the bigger teams that maybe it's a, not a free hit in essence, but you've less to lose. And against the teams down the bottom, you know that you have to put in a performance, otherwise you won't win. And in the middle, maybe it's a bit of a, a catch-22. Maybe sometimes it's, it's tricky to approach these games, perhaps. I don't think it's it's so much a mentality thing from our point of view, Grant. Everyone jumps to that and that conclusion very quickly. Um, and, and maybe rightly so in some games. There's there's no one mm-hmm. answer for every, every question. But for us, if you look at the top-tier teams that we've competed well against last year, um, we we very heavily knew what we were coming up against with them. Yes. From their perspective, they probably still looked at us like the team that we were in the previous year, which mm-hmm. was um, maybe their mentality was maybe more adrift than ours was in them mm-hmm. fixtures. Um, and in the bottom games, you're looking at you know for us to stay outside relegation zones, you have to you have to you have to compete and win. You have to pick up points in them in them bottom tier bottom third games. So. Um, Top third is maybe them taking their eye off us a wee bit and us being knowing that we we there's no there's no there's no space for error at all. Bottom mm-hmm. six game, bottom third games is all about you know six pointers. It's all about turning taking points off teams and not gaining points. And then the mid tier teams is where maybe there's very little difference between us on the day and them. Yeah, um, but we're talking about sides that. Are substantially more experienced in the Irish League than what we are. If some of them sides have maybe been for years in the top tier, in the top third, find themselves in the middle third, um, maybe challenging for that European spot, um, and more experience in doing that, more experienced players, maybe have greater depth to squad than what we would have had last year. So the the margins, I suppose, between us and them teams in the middle third this year past. We're probably finer, therefore, mm. that's you know, for us, a team that was in transition this season past, um, it's always it's hard, always harder, harder to close the fine margins than it is to take mm-hmm. big leaps and steps like we did in some of the other fixtures, you know. Yeah, absolutely. When I spoke with Conair, it seemed to me that he was very bullish about Warren Point's aspirations to certainly try and finish top of that bottom six and maybe get into the, the playoffs for a European competition. Long term, is that something that excites you at Warren Point? I think. Grant, we you you have to set your stall out to where you want to be. How long it takes you to get there is just down to how much you're willing to work in the short term. Um, I I, re, I rejoined the club on a temporary basis to uh, to try and keep them in the Premiership. We done that, and then I stayed on following that only for the particular reason that the club directors had a strategy, they had a a vision of where they wanted to see our senior team be, and us as a club. Um, if they hadn't have had that, I definitely wouldn't be there as manager today. There's no doubt about saying that. It's my club. It's my local club. I've spent a long time here, but I don't have the appetite to be uh, just out of relegation manager with any club, whether it's my club and Warren Point or any other team for that matter. So sure. the, the, the driving factor for me staying always was the director's you know, vision and drive to want to be more than, than maybe what the club has been in years past. And 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 we've seen that 
in the 18, 20 months that I've been back, I've seen very, very substantial differences between the club's attitude to where they want to go and how they want to do that versus what maybe I would have seen in the old days when I was there last. So um, mm-hmm. that's 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 refreshing for me and it's, it's refreshing for the players because that hunger and that desire is there to do it. We have to do it a particular way, maybe that other clubs don't do it, you know, yes. because we don't have maybe the resource that other teams have. Um, and that's fine. Everyone loves to take it back to money. I, I'm not a firm believer on the biggest budget wins the league. I'm not a firm believer on that you can't set targets and achieve things with less supporters, less budget, less whatever. just means you have to be smarter with what you have. Um, yes. and, and don't get me wrong. If you want to really compete, if you want to get really serious, then over time, you, you've got to keep building, building your budgets, building your supporter base, building your club, your facility. You've got to keep doing that. And the club have a fantastic vision to what they want to do going forward. Will it happen overnight? Absolutely not. But um, there's a very strategic plan in place to, to help develop the club on all strands so that it's maintainable and 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 when we get to that end point whether it's me as manager or the or the next manager who knows but um you know strategically the, the directors have done immense work to try and put us in the position where you know the target is quite clearly to get out of any risk areas and that is the bottom third of the table so the next target to that has to be that that seventh sixth spot where you have some form of chance to to uh, to challenge for a European position. This year, the club have, for the first time ever, got their European club license, um, and that's another indication of where they see. We don't need it this year. We might need it for the next three years or whatever. But um, nobody knows what will happen in football. And it's very exciting times. It's it, very. It is, I'm, I'm saying nobody's nobody's living in cloud cuckoo. We're not. We're not saying we're going to win the league next year no, but it shows that, it shows ambition doesn't it it shows that there's a progression there or yeah. a, a, a kind of direction as to where the club wants to go as you just mentioned every club at the very highest level in our league and any other league started where we were mm-hmm. you know where we have come through where we are today um and they continued to progress so i suppose our notion as a club is We've, we've been very successful for many years to come to where we are today. Um, as a club, we probably stalled a wee bit, you know, to be fair. But my feeling would be, certainly as manager and, and, the, and the group of players that we have now at the minute and the feel around the directors and their vision is that, yeah, if people want to push on and if enough people want to do that and, and put their name to it, then it can be successful. And the only thing that will stop that will be the people involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a great management team as well as yourself there last season. Obviously, Gavin Dykes, very much part of your management team. But one guy I want to talk about who's sadly no longer with you, Cobb, he's moved back to, moved on to Glen Torn is uh, Ronnie McAree. How big a factor was Rod in Warren Point's season last year? Well, Rodney came on board, Grant, with us probably in the second half of the season. Um, the, the big challenge for Rodney at the time was he had been out of football for a while. We, I, me and Gavin both done our pro license with, with Rodney and we would know him through the years through managing from the opposition dugouts. So um, obviously Rodney was out of football and was very keen to get back in. We have a personal relationship with him and we 
we had an opening and an opportunity at that stage that we wanted to take in a, a, an experienced coach that that we didn't have to babysit. Maybe we didn't have to look after that we knew what we needed and um, he, he fitted that build perfectly well for us. Probably the challenge for him was it came with the second half schedule. <laughs> so we were playing three games a week. Um, very little uh, training time or coaching time with the players because any sessions that we done on the pitch in around them three games a week were really recovery sessions. So Rodney came in and didn't really get his fair opportunity to get in and coaching the way we would want him to, but he had an impact with us. He definitely did. He knew the league. He brought a perspective um, inside and outside the group for us. And uh, while we would look back on last season and probably say the first half of the season was more successful for us than the second half, I think the challenges that we had with schedule and depth of squad in the second half of the season um, probably curtailed what Rodney could have done, you yes. know, or any coach could have done, no matter what level you're at. So, um, but still had an impact, still was a very trustworthy uh, coach for us to bring in as part of our staff. And that's important to us. Delivered a lot of good things when he was there with us in restricted, in restricted timeframes. But um, Pastures Greener, uh, you know, Rodney has aspirations to, to want to, to be in football in a more full-time approach. Um, he worked for the academies during the day and, and Glentoran was able to provide him with something that we couldn't. Um, and, you know, he has personal aspirations to want to succeed inside inside football. And the Glentoran move was was what he deemed the right thing for him at the time. Um, I don't agree or disagree. Um, that's, that's, again, above my pay grade. What's right for Rodney is right for him and only he can... Only he will be able to tell whether that's right, wrong, or different in, in a period of time. We we support him the best we could. We made it as easy for him as we mm. could. Um, you know, personally, Rodney's a friend of mine and still will refer- remain a friend of mine, whether he's coaching with us or not. And listen, if he goes to a full time environment at a, yes. at a level um, that you know, at this minute in time, we we can't compete with that. It's nice and simple. We we can't give him what Glentoran can give him, and uh, you you'll never step in the way or, or or feel disheartened in any way for anyone that moves on to things that are bigger and better than what we can provide at this minute. So he goes with our best wishes. Um, obviously not when we come up against him, but you know <laughs> the uh, you know he, he'll do well. We're Ackland Torn. I've no doubt about that. He's a top coach and and a and a, and a good guy. So um, I have no doubt it all will work out well for him. Talk to me about your relationship with Gavin Dykes. I mean, he's a guy that I followed uh, a few years ago when I started following the league. Obviously, he was the manager of the Mallards at the time, and he's a very passionate fellow like yourself. And it seems like a really good mix and a really good chemistry between the both of you. Yeah, it, it is grand. Again, um, I didn't know Dixie bar the opposition dugouts for, for a brief period. Um, wouldn't have said we got on or didn't get on during them times. You know, we fought the fought as two opposition managers at teams that were were in and around each other at, at certain times. So um, always would have stayed in contact with him. He would have been a manager that we, I would have spoke to on and off. Uh, probably didn't really know him until again we done the pro license together and we spent a considerable amount of time um, during that process 
and we hit it off from from the start. Gavin, for me, is um, I would always say I would value Gavin more in my management team than it would value me. Um, he's he's integral to what works for me. Um, I think the big the big the big sell for me always is your your next in command has to be somebody that you can say you wholeheartedly trust. And, and, and Gavin is that in a nutshell for me. He knows the league inside out, north and south. He's massively experienced as a manager, coach and player. Um, there's very few people he doesn't know um, or, or grounds or managers or connections. Um, he brings a wealth of experience, but most importantly, he fully respects what I want to do as a manager. And he, he, he will tell you himself, Gavin Dykes is at Worm Point to make sure that I'm looked after. And that's his number one job. And at times I feel massively sorry for him because I'm not easy to look after, Grant, I'm totally honest. Um, so he gets his first year of work in that. Uh, but listen, the man travels from Sligo two or three times a week to come to Worm Point for training and games. Even that commitment on its own is, mm-hmm. is it's scary. You know, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever you know, you wouldn't do it in the real world, but this is the madness that football delivers for us, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and that goes to show his commitment and his passion to, you know, when we first took it, uh, we were up against impossible challenges. Um, and probably you needed to have the madness of the two of us, Stephen, to take it at that point. Uh, but we did and we, we succeeded and, and, and we worked brilliantly well together. As a, as a coach, as an assistant manager, I couldn't ask for anyone better than him. And, and I don't know if I'd say that to his face all the time, but <laughs> most definitely, um, we, we work well together. He knows that and I know that and we fully respect what each... Listen, he has his strengths and I have my strengths and mm-hmm. we work very well to make sure the strengths of both, both people are delivered to the players. And that's what... That's the one thing that both of us are massively into is the people behind the player. Yes. So um, Dykes' Dykes's, uh, background in, in, in professional life is very heavily geared towards that. And, and we like that part of it. And it, it's it's complementary for the type of environment that we're trying to create at Worm Point. And that's that we niche and that we understand and that we can deliver for our group might be what separates us from maybe some of them mid-pack teams coming this season. Well, it's certainly going to be really exciting to see how you guys get on this season. Just to wrap up on last campaign, because I was really impressed with uh, quite a lot of your teams throughout the season, particularly the performances of your captain, Fra McCaffrey. What does he give to Warren Point? Fra, when we first took over, Fra was obviously out injured um, for that season. Uh we probably didn't see the best of Fran until the second half of the season, maybe in the last third of the season last year. Um, he spent a year out completely, and it, it takes time to come back and recover from that when you've spent so long out. Um, Fra, for we, we talked about people earlier just there. Fra probably, probably epitomizes everything that you would want in a player. Um, as a captain, uh, he, he leads he leads us by example you know on and off the pitch he's uh, he's a character mm-hmm. uh, nothing too serious with him but understands what the game needs understands what we need as a team 
very loyal, very, very hard working, very committed to wanting to do well. And I think they're the traits of the modern day captain. Um, very hard to get somebody who stands in the middle of the pitch and barks instructions the same way Roy Keane does and things like that. Today's footballers, uh, you see less and less and less of that. And people will tell you that, you know, leaders are a challenge nowadays. You can't get leaders. I don't agree with that at all. I think the style of leadership has changed. Yes. The question whether we as people can understand what leadership means now in the modern football game is the big question. Fra for me is is part of that part of that regime where he can effectively manage players for us as a captain, and he does it very well. He's very focused. He's very professional about how he does it. And and listen, like I said, he epitomizes what we what we would want in any player in our squad: fully committed, fully focused. And, and more importantly, a hell of a quality. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's really good, you mentioned about there was a bit of a developmental season last year, a transitional period. A lot of good young players coming through at Warren Point and really impressing, particularly at the top end in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, we listen, Grant, we we done a lot of work, obviously, when we took over the club image, probably wasn't, wasn't great. Um, that's something that we've discussed with the directors over the last year or two. Uh, very hard to change that in the very short term. Mm-hmm. Um, you change club images by being the team that's nowhere near the bottom over a series of, of seasons. Um, we're we're still in that process, so uh, we we purposely probably done more business than we normally would in the southern market because we targeted players in the southern market that maybe just didn't work out for one reason or another Premiership level. Mm-hmm. The, the, the teams down south obviously are in a full-time environment down there. Most of the teams, uh, particularly the Premiership teams, and mm-hmm. that full-time model doesn't suit every player. Mm-hmm. So we, you generally tend to have players falling out of the Premiership down south that maybe don't want to or can't commit to full-time game. Maybe haven't had as much game time as what they would have liked. Maybe dropped a level. Maybe have different aspirations in life when they hit a certain age that they're not chasing that, you know, full-time footballer's dream anymore. Um, we've been very fortunate with the players that we have brought in on that because they've, they've they've done really well for us last year, and we expect them to continue to do more for us next season. Um, and it's been a market geographically for us. We probably are one of the few teams in in the north that can attract players because we're closest to the border. Yeah. Um, not to say that 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 they're the only players we're looking at, but at that time it suited us really well to. Now we took risks the same way any manager takes risks to sign players that could work or maybe not work, and so on. But um, fortunately for us, we feel that most of them have worked out for us. And we have extended most of, you know, a large core of the players that's under contract have, have recently this summer extended their contracts for the next two years. Mm-hmm. And that's us buying into them in terms of what they've done for us. Um, but under the expectation that there's so much more to come from them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And talking of bringing in new talents as well, you made some really impressive signings in the window. Just want to ask you about signing Connor Mitchell from Larne. That's a really big coup signing, I would say, because obviously Mitchell played the last third for Lauren last season. I expect him to probably be challenging for the number one slot this season at Warren Point. 
Yeah, well, listen, we, we've taken Conor in as number one. Um, as much as he can give anyone a number one title, Conor knows that. Uh, but yeah, yes, I, I think the 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 lack of good quality goalkeepers is a challenge for, for the entire league at this minute in time. Um, we were very fortunate to have our business done with Connor maybe a wee bit earlier in pre-contract terms than uh, than maybe other teams before they started hunting around or maybe looking at it. So we were good in that sense because we knew, you know, for for a period of time that we had that position solved and sorted. Connor's Connor's listen. Connor comes with great pedigree. There's no doubt about that. Last year at Lauren. He, he didn't get he was he was kept out of the team by another exceptional goalkeeper absolutely um, at a stage of his career where he has prioritized playing as opposed to everything else that comes connected with contracts um this is the first time he's ever been a part-time player um in his senior career so it's been it's been a wee bit of a, a life change for him on top of a football change so um he's obviously had the go and get a job in the real world on top of playing football. So it's it's quite a shift for him and a transitional period for him. But he's done really well for us. And listen, he's been a marquee signing for us. And we make no no bones about saying that. Um, in a very, very important position strategically yeah. in our side. It certainly was a big red light for me. I thought it was a green light for me. So it was a fantastic signing for you. I mean, also signed Jonathan Ledia, another good signing as well. And and uh, Stephen Dunn as well is also intriguing as well. There's a few big names sort of creeping in that maybe a lot of people don't know too much about, but I get the feeling that yeah. you're quietly happy with that business. Yeah, well, I mean, Stephen Dunn, again, another player down south, came from down south with very good backgrounds. Um, obviously, we know him, you know, John Gill, who's now our first team coach, has experience of working with him before. Um, but again, probably a name in the north that most people won't bat an eyelid over. Um, we were also lucky enough to get Luke Wade Slater from, mm-hmm. from Larn. Um, and that's another important signing for us. Johnny Letty was in training last year with us from January. Uh, we didn't make the January window to get him signed last year, but continued training with us throughout the season till the season ended. So, um, you know, it was good business for us. It, it definitely was good business. We're, we're, we're particularly happy about how, how you know, our pre-season signings have went and, and settled in the squad. This year's been the quietest year for us um, since we have come back to the club. So it's the best business, Grant, to be honest, from my opinion, was us maintaining what we had and not Absolutely. losing quality players that we've built from last year. And then obviously adding in the key strategic positions and players that we have done so far gives us a chance, a chance to maybe step out that trans outside the transition period that we mm-hmm. keep talking about and see can we can we push on a wee bit this year competitively in the league and see can we claim time the table. And you've also seen Greg Moorhouse as well, a guy who's also had a record of scoring goals in the Irish League as well. Yeah, Greg came in a wee bit later for some preseason. Um obviously. Uh, Ran Swan, who, who would have been one of our main strikers this year, uh, done his SEL in pre-season, so mm-hmm. puts him out for the year for us. Uh, and, and fortunately, just at the timing of all that coincide with Greg becoming available and hungry to get back involved at, 
senior football again. So obviously Greg knows the league a wee bit. He's played with Glen Avon. He's been in and around it. So yes, a player that, that again has come from down south, but he's probably more familiar with the league than most of our, our players that we have brought in from the southern market. So um, that was a good fit for us. And he's been in now. He's probably a few weeks behind most of the other squad because of his coming in a wee bit later. But uh, starting to see you make good progress from where we are at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like uh, you've been really preparing well with the pre-season fixtures. I mean, you've you've had a, a few interesting games. Newry, Armagh City, Barnum Mallard United. Uh, you just played University College Dublin on Monday night. Passed there as we recall this on the 11th of August. You got Galway United at the weekend and then you've got Bull Bank uh, on the 21st. It seems like preparations are going well. Yeah, they are, Grant. And I, I suppose... Um... <sighs> People will always look at the results of pre-season games and judge. You know, we've we haven't we've we've competed well in all the games. We've used the games to make lots of changes and look at things in particular for us as a group and a squad that's more important than the actual end result. Um, we're coming into obviously, like you said, the weekend we have Galway, we have, we have Glintorn actually on the Tuesday night after that, then right. followed by this game. So um, that. The next three games, again, not results driven, but our focus at this point and through all our preseason games is win, lose, or draw. And the games that mean nothing, that mm-hmm. mean nothing, as long as we're ready come the 28th of August to compete and potentially challenge for a win, at, you know, when we play Balamina. And really, not until five o'clock on the 28th will we know whether the pre-season schedule has been set right or wrong or different. And I suppose that's the that's that's the tell-all, isn't it? Mm-hmm, absolutely. One thing I neglected to mention in the response to my previous question, uh, I want to wish Ryan Swan all the best as he recovers from his ACL. That's uh, really sad to see he'll be out for a sustained period of time. So, Ryan, if you're listening, wish you a speedy recovery, my friend. Um, just having a look at your uh, fixtures for the season, uh, Barry, because you mentioned there Balamina opening game of the season. You know, that'll be a really big game for the club, and hopefully you'll have some fans in behind the, the turnstiles at Milton. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about last year, and the one thing that you didn't miss massively was was the the, the atmosphere, grounds, Grant. You know, mm-hmm. everyone done tremendously well to, to keep it competitive and get the games going, but there's one thing you can't substitute. And that is the moans and groans, the shouts and the roars of everyone that's sitting in the stand. And I mean, even talk about the opposition support, you know, um, that lift when you need it, that bit of abuse, you know, that, that comes part of the game, all that, that's, that's, that's what gives you, you know, that feeling of good, bad or different. And I, there's no, absolutely no substitute to that whatsoever. And we're looking forward to, to getting or seeing as many spectators back in the ground as we can, you know, whatever yeah. the restrictions will be around that, I don't know, but um, here's hoping. And Balamina, first game of the season, pitting your wits up against David Jeffries' team, always a good marker for clubs in a season because DJ's been there, seen it, done it, hasn't he? David's a, David's a brilliant character. He's a brilliant man. He's a brilliant manager. He's the most successful manager in the league. Um, you don't get the accolades that he gets by by fluke. Um, and listen, David's been brilliant with me ever since coming into the league when he was when he was at Linfield. You know, following that with Balamina, and he, he's just he's a brilliant people person. Um, 
either you like him or you'll not, but I have huge credit for him. And uh, we know when we come into the first game of the season that, you know, no matter who you get in the first game of the season, uh, it's always difficult. It's always an opportunity. Who starts the quickest, you know, who doesn't? David will have his team set to perfection. There's no doubt about that. Um, but we look at it like the best challenge that we can get. You know, that's that's what we want. Bring it on. We'll be ready. And we can only control what we are. No yep. doubt David had his team ready. And uh, all that you want on the day is that we bit of fortune, that we bit of, that we bit of you know, extra. Yeah, well, it's certainly going to be a really exciting game. And from one experienced manager on one side of the line to one of the most inexperienced managers, because Stuart King, obviously, and at Carrick, you guys play them on the 31st at Taylor's Avenue. You guys have a really big chance to rain on his parade on his first match as home boss. That could be quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, listen, I I fully, I, I know Stuart, um, obviously, locally managed uh, Banbridge for a long time. Um, but I also know what he's going through. I've been there as a manager, um, and I also know how much of a rise and a and a hit that you can get as a manager from your team in the particularly early stages of 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 games in the season. So it's one that I don't ever remember going to Carrick Rangers. Uh, at any time and having an easy game mm-hmm. most of the top teams in the league find it difficult to go there we go there in the first week of the season midweek um, with a new manager and a new squad of players and a, and a, and a very different uh, outlook in terms of where Carrick have been and it's 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 going to be difficult we'll, we'll look forward to seeing Stuart but I hope I hope on the night he comes out as number two. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly will be a really good game as well. And then the next three games after that, you've got Glenavon at home, Larn away and Glen Torn at home. And we mentioned earlier on in the, in the chat, Barry, you guys did pretty well against the, the top teams last season. So I'm sure you'll be chomping at the bit and relishing your chance to maybe cause a one or two problems for these teams. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, Grant, the priority for us is to be competitive, you know, the week in, week out. Yes, last year we struggled against Glenavon. We didn't, we didn't perform, and we didn't get the results we needed. Um, we done fairly well against Lauren and Glentorn. Maybe didn't get the points tally that we would have hoped for, but we competed extremely well against both sides. And you know what? What we're saying is, you get you get the league started. They get teams they got early enough in the schedule is probably the best you can hope for because like them and like us nobody knows where they are inside the first month of the season until it really kicks in so you're hoping that you can get started in the league get a couple of wins before you get into to, to them heavier games like that and that's no disrespect to any other opposition but um, when you get into them games you know that you know it has to be close to perfect for you to have a chance so for us we look forward to them. We don't fear any of them teams. We don't fear any team in the league. Obviously, we have to be confident about what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like every game, like every season, there'll be weeks where it'll go horribly wrong. It'll be there'll be there'll be weeks where you get results maybe you don't deserve it, and there'll be weeks that you find it impossible to get anything from it when you're when you're on top of things. But that's football. That's that's the ups and downs of what it is. And I suppose, you know. 
that's that's what we're all looking forward to again. That's what we're the the living and dying by the sword and the decisions you make on the pitch, off the pitch. Um and giving players that that will to to be comfortable enough and confident enough to go and compete with every team, no matter who they are. Yeah, absolutely. You could break a record this season of managing two hundred games for Warren Point Time Football Club. That's a great milestone to kind of surpass when it comes, won't it, Barry? This is search for the sack grant on the ninth hundred ninety ninth. Jinxed well, me now. We can clip this out and say, oh dear, I, I jinxed you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, listen, to, to to manage to manage 50 games is massive in this day and age, let alone anything more than that. Um again, for me, it's not it's not something that I would be sitting counting games of how many or what, you know, it's it's not really important for me. The the, the next game is is the only thing that's important and it's you know players. The players don't care. You know how many games I manage. You know you 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 will get their respect by the knowledge of what you have for the next game. If you do, if you if you can't deliver for them as a manager in the next game, then you mightn't see the game after that. And that's that's the industry we all work in at this stage. And I know that firsthand. Um, and I don't qualm to say that. Or I don't I don't doubt that I can make two hundred games, but. I don't doubt on the other side that you might get the one nine nine, and that could be the end of your career. And that's yeah. that's just football. But listen, if we do, and if 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 that's what happens, the two hundredth game will tick on, and we'll move on the two hundred one quicker than you can blink your eyes of win, lose, yeah. or draw. And and that's just that's the frantic life of being a football manager. And that's listen, that's. It's always about the next one, isn't it? You never get time to sit and, and dwell and think, wasn't that great today? It's always moving on. It's always about progressing. It's always about moving the next game. And as a manager, assistant manager, coaching team, that's the way we, we're paid to be like that, Grant. You know, players can maybe bask in it a wee bit. They can enjoy tallying up games and, you know, doing well, scoring goals, keeping clean sheets, doing all that. But the second the whistle goes in most games, you're ready on to your next training session, you're on to your next game straight away. Well, if I jinx you, I'll apologise in advance of that. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope you do surpass that because that would be a phenomenal accomplishment for a for a part-time club. And that's why I thought it was worthy of a mention because it's a, a really great uh, number to, to head towards. A lot of people and a lot of pundits I've been reading in the Northern Irish press are looking at a little mini league at the bottom between Portadown, Warren Point, Dungannon and Carrick. Do you see it like that or do you see yourselves aspiring to get a little bit further up the table than that? Grant, every single season we will be pitched to be in the bottom two. That's, you know, even after last year of it being quite a, a decent season for some progress, um, and like I said to you earlier, that's maybe just the image of the club where we are at this minute in time. Um, it's my job, or part of my job, is to try and change that image and change that reflection. Um, it's not to say that the puns are right or wrong or different, and, and you probably can't blame them over the last five or six years on average about what we've done as a, as a club versus what we've done in the last 18 months. That's only a small portion of what what there's probably been more wrong than there has been right in, in the last five or six years. So the reality of it is they're going st statistically on what, mm -hmm. what they've seen in recent times. Um, it's my job to change that. It's my job to, mm -hmm. to not to prove them wrong, but just to, to prove us right. 
Um, our aspirations is definitely not to be sitting bottom one up one above that it's we we need to keep looking forward we need to keep pushing we need there was a substantial gap between us and seventh and eighth spot last year our job this year is to see can we claw that back you know mm-hmm. can we jump a spot i don't know until we get in the season but will we attempt to most definitely mm-hmm. our yeah. attempt is to finish as high up the table as we can but we know we've got a massive massive leap between mm-hmm. that joint ninth tenth position and breaking into even eighth is, yep. is you know because I think that last year there might have been fifteen points odd you know between uh, ninth and, and and seventh and ninth and sixth or ninth and eighth um, which is substantial that's a, that's a big points tally to try and turn maybe in one season but our job is to try and close the gap try and push as far as we can as high as we can and uh, hopefully that'll be in a relatively normal season yeah last year. Well, fingers crossed, that is for sure. Obviously, the league is the bread and butter for, for most clubs, Barry. In fact, all clubs, I'd argue. What about the cup competitions? What is Warren Point's attitude to the Cups this comp- this season? Is it to have a really deep run and, and maybe see what happens? I can't get it's all in the draw, really. Yeah, I think in previous years, Grant, obviously with us at Warren Point, cup competitions took a massive backseat. There's no no shadow of a doubt about that because we were trying to build a consistency. Um, you can't do that in cup competitions, obviously, because it's all on the day. So our priority was to try and build a consistency across our league games because that was, that's what we had. Um, cup competitions this year for us, you're saying, yes, are we brave enough now to say we can build our consistency at the same time of maybe prioritising the cup? Um, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think you know, obviously we've got two senior cup competitions, which is the League Cup and, and the, the Irish Cup. Um, you, you don't have to win a lot of games to pick up a trophy, but mm-hmm. then every single team that's in them cup competitions will say the same as I am. So sure. I suppose to prioritise them cups, you know, and we know when the dates of them are, we've got to focus on having a good run of form going into it. And and a wee bit of luck going to draw. You need you, you need that in all cup competitions, um, and you need to be your best mm-hmm. on on the day and the night. It would be nice for us to be in a position in the league that we were able to prioritise the cups. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the business that you maybe have to do in the early stages of the season to get yeah. yourself to a position in the league where you can you can you know. Be brave enough to look forward to the cup competitions coming up weeks and months in advance and see what we can do in terms of helping ourselves in them competitions. But listen, there's no better feeling than a than a than a cup run. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's something a wee bit more special. We it's certainly different than a league run. Um a cup run is the the magic of the cup's hard to beat, you know, and mm-hmm. it's it's that ecstasy on any given day and it's even not not winning it even even the stages up to that um, yes but I also know with my time at Cliftonville what it feels like to get the Irish Cup final and not to come out successful so you, you if you're going to do it you have to go the whole way and, and yeah. go half um, or else there's no point even being in the final you know and people will say it's great getting the final and that is great it's, it's, a, it's a great day out if you want to look at it like that, but I'm saying if if any manager worth their salt wants to get to a cup final and that's your aspiration, mm-hmm. then you need to you need to seriously have a good look at yourself. You you want to win the final. You, know, you want to win the cup. Doesn't matter which cup it is. Doesn't matter how you get there. Doesn't matter how poor, good, bad, and different you are. If you're standing at that cup comp, 
in that cup in your hand come the end of that game. Nobody remembers the five, six, seven games previous previous to that. How mm-hmm. you done it, where you done it, anything else. And nobody remembers a loser. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's well worth asking the question. And obviously in the past, we've seen clubs like Dungannon win the League Cup and we've seen Balnamalar get to the final. I think they actually beat Warren Point on the run to the final, which was a bit of a sad one for, for you guys. But, you know, it just goes to show you that if you get a little bit of luck with a the draw, then anything is possible. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, like we say, when the cup competitions come out and you say, avoid the big teams, you know, yeah. every, every team in the league saying that. But if we look at our record grant the last season, we, we might be we might be one of them odd teams that's saying, give us one of the big teams, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because our record against the big teams maybe might be better than, than, than maybe some of the other teams that people might think is a fortunate draw. So listen, Cup magic, it's hard to beat. We will definitely prioritise one cup this year um, to give it our best shot and see what comes off it and uh, see what impact then that has with us in, the, in our league schedule. Yeah, very last question to you, Barry, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. What's your own personal aspirations for the season? I take it would be to make sure Warren Point are safe for a start and then who knows after that? Um, Grant, I think my, my first point is nice and simple. Um I will never answer a question this year that will uh, tell people priority number one is safety because it's so defeatist to start off with. We done it comfortably last year in a transition year. Yeah. I keep saying the directors have backed me to bring depth to our panel and increase quality to our panel. Um, if we don't have comfortable safety by default next year, then that's not a player's issue. That's a management issue. So, I'll take full responsibility for that right here now before we kick a ball. Um, Next year, we need to be better. We want to be better and we should be better than what we were in the previous year because we have a better understanding. We have a better player pool. We have, we, everything about us is better. Mm -hmm. Fact. Yeah. So if I don't get it right, we won't be better. And that'll be the only reason that we, we aren't better. So, What's our aspirations? Personally, our aspirations for this season coming is forget about anything that was underneath us or will be underneath us and focus on what we can claw ahead of us. Can we get, you know, not can we get teams underneath us for safety reasons? Can we get teams underneath us? Because that will mean that we're climbing the table. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything to do with safety. We won't be looking at the table until next January or February. Um, It's week in, week out. It's game after game. We have set our targets in terms of our points tally and what we need to be averaging over each game. Um, the players are aware of that and I'm aware of that. And the second that we don't achieve that, then the second that we need to reassess and see what we mm-hmm. do. And that's a week by week, month by month sort of process. Um, and we're very focused on where our areas of improvement need to need to happen. And we're very focused on what worked well for us last year and what we can improve on to make that better. So, um Yes, aspirations. Where can we finish? We can finish as high as we want to. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying to players, why would you say, let's stay safe? Mm-hmm. That automatically sends a, a, an instruction to our players that I feel that we might be in that relegation zone to start with, which I don't. So um, the word relegation zone safety have been barred from our dressing room environment. Um 
there's no need to discuss it. I understand that the press and, and everyone else in the round is at any given time, they will speak about it. They will talk yeah. about the drop zones, they will talk about safety, they'll talk about all that. And I'm saying the press and the pundits and all the rest, the people that are, are naturally good aren't inside our dressing room, not inside our team. So the priority for me is, you know, my my me and my management team's notion about what we want to do and most importantly the players' mindsets and their their confidence in what they're able to do. And like it's saying football's great. Very rarely will we get every week our own way. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got to be prepared to take the heavy punches when they come and you've got to be prepared to deal with them. And I think where we are as a group at this minute in time, we've created an environment that is comfortable for us to say we're not perfect. We're not where we want to be just yet. We're working towards that. We're very confident in what we can do. And we're very um, realistic about what we need to continue to work on. That gives great optimism for what we can achieve. And I'm saying, if we want to be negative and look down and back and all the rest. And I, I said it to a few reporters last year that, that kept bouncing out these negative stats to me. And I'm saying, yeah, but they're not mine. As a manager, they're not my stats. They're not this team's stats because... Most of our players haven't been here long enough to have a negative stat. So yeah. this year, going into this year is the first fresh approach where we have no excuses. We don't have a depth issue. We don't have a quality issue. Last year, we had a lot of players that didn't know the league. They are now all of a year's, a year's experience mm -hmm. on their belt. You know, the transition year by day, you don't get any longer than a year as a manager to transition a team so that excuse is gone every player that's in my squad at this minute in time I have signed or re-signed so I can't blame the previous manager about inheriting players and aren't you know so all the excuses are off the table so it's very much down to just me my management team the players and to open that chapter the next chapter for Worm Point which isn't written yet and if you're brave enough you can write it whatever way you want it yeah, well, the foundations on and off the pitch really be a fruit for future ahead. It certainly looks like a very bright future on the horizon for Warren Point. I really hope that this season ahead is definitely another step forward in that direction because that message that you gave me in response to my question was just so powerful and very passionate and very endearing. And I, I thought it was really, really good to hear that, Barry. So I, I really want to wish Warren Point very much all the best for the season ahead. Uh, thanks very much for coming on this preview episode of my show and all the very best to everybody at Warren Point for the season and, and thanks again for coming on Campbell's Footballs. Great, thank you Grant. Well listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs. What a dangerous night!